once again to the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and I am back home. Uh, not back home in the green in the Green Isle, by the way. I am back home in my home in Stockholm, where I've called home for the last 23 years after three and a half odd mad weeks of covering the World Cup down in Doha in Qatar. Uh, big difference in the temperature, ladies and gentlemen. This place looks like a lovely Christmas card at the moment, but it's bloody freezing. I think it was like minus 14 the other morning when I was heading off down to Malmö to do a little bit of work. I hope you're well wherever you are in the world. This is possibly the last podcast now before the new year, right? Because next week the podcast usually comes out on a Saturday morning, Central European time. And next week it'll be Christmas Eve. And let's face it, lads, you'd want to have a hell of an emergency before you want to hear from me of, of a Christmas Eve morning, right? So uh, there may not be a podcast, there may well be. If I find somebody interesting enough to talk to, sure, I'll do one and I'll bang it out there. But Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, there'll probably be a little bit of a break, lads. I might put something out there just to keep you occupied, have a little idea in the back of my head. But the regular podcast with the interviews with uh, members of the global Irish community won't be back until the new year. I hope you're all ready for the Christmas. You could be getting the barbecue going down below in Bondi Beach in Sydney. You could be in similar freezing temperatures above in Canada, but I hope you're getting it all together now and that the cost of living hasn't become so prohibitive that you can't enjoy it. Jesus, I hope one or two of you are making your way over to Ireland because there's a great old gig going on and that's what this week's uh, podcast is going to be about, right? But before that, I just wanted to ask you if you can go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm and become a patron of this podcast so I can keep bringing them to you and I can focus my mind and my resources and my energy on this because Jesus knows the last little while now uh, during the World Cup it's been hard enough to find the time and the resources and the energy to do it but we still got through lads there was one day it was about 12 hours late but we got it out there all the same so uh, if you could support the podcast that would be brilliant if you can't no worries it's, uh, it's always going to be free uh, I never want money to be a barrier to people being able to enjoy this content, right? But if you can't afford it, that means that there's an all the better reason for doing it because, you know, you might be paying for somebody else there. It will always be free, but I would ask you to do me a favour and maybe share it on your social media, right? Because it takes a while to build up an audience and I really appreciate the people who have been listening so consistently from the very beginning. But if you can share it with people, you know, down below in New Zealand or if you know somebody in Canada or in Argentina or in Los Angeles or Chicago and say, look, this fella's doing a podcast for the global. Irish community, I think you might enjoy it because that helps me build up the audience. And uh, you know, it'll take a little while, and I'm more than prepared to put in the work. But the more you can do that, there was uh, an Irish woman here in Stockholm called Marjorie Sundstrom, she's married to a Swedish fella, and she gave me a lovely little share for an Irish and Sweden podcast that I have for the community here. And you just saw the amount of people engaging with it. And, you know, her network is sort of not my network. It's becoming my network now, thanks to that share. But she found me a few new listeners there. So if you could do that for me, I would be extremely grateful. Now, many of you who are listening are going to be spending yet another Christmas abroad. But if you're going back to Dublin, I want to talk to you on this podcast about an event that is coming up in Dublin on December the 21st. And it is for us, for the global Irish community. It is a concert called Back Home. Uh, it's being brought to you by two... To Be Irish, which is an initiative together with the Department of Foreign Affairs to sort of get in touch and to stay in touch with the Irish community abroad. It's going to be an in-person concert and that's going to be happening uh, in Dublin and it's on the 21st at the Irish Emigration Museum, which is on Customs House Quay, North Dock, Dublin 1 in Ireland. The tickets are free, right? So 
If you would like to attend the event in person, you need to go into tubeirish.ie, find our events page, and then look for Back Home, a Christmas concert. And you can book a ticket by clicking on a little button there, and they'll ask you to tell a story of why they should give you a ticket for going here, right? And uh, for going to it, it, like, you know, some of it is for people who have newly settled in Ireland, but most of it is for Irish people abroad, right? So you just click it and you fill out the short little form, and then you get your ticket, and you go along, and you enjoy some of the great music that's going to be there. Um, now, when I first heard about this concert, because I spoke about it on the, the podcast last week as well, because, you know, people have their uh, they have their arrangements made and they might be meeting family and that. But, you know, if you want to make time for this, do. It's also going to be uh, streamed live on their YouTube page as well. So those of us, the Irish Abroad, will be able to follow it on the 21st of December as well. Uh, we're going to talk to one of the musicians uh, very soon, Patrick Dexter, fantastic cellist, who became sort of famous during the pandemic on social media uh, by just uh, sitting outside his house in County Mayo and playing his cello and made some magnificent music and some lovely videos there he's going to be appearing on the contra on the, on the concert and we're going to hear from him shortly but first i wanted to sit down and get uh, the lowdown on the whole thing from amy van veilich who is a dutch woman living in ireland for the last good few years and she's involved in culture there one of the producers and one of the driving forces behind this concert so i had a little word with her about what back home the concert is all supposed to be about and sure here she is on the global gale podcast <laughs> This concert that's coming up on the 21st of December, it's taking place in Dublin, but it can also be watched online. Could you just explain to me, that's part of a week or 10 days of events around Christmas that To Be Irish.ie are having. That's correct. So To Be Irish, um, marking the Christmas season, this is our third year running it for the Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, and it will be running from the 14th till the 25th of December uh, and this year is the first time that we actually, as our own kind of events that we are programming, uh, because we, we present an array of events that are happening nationally and internationally uh, that are organized by various organizations across the, across the globe and nationally by um, kind of the cultural sector. Um, the concert itself is the first time uh, that we're going to be delivering something in person. So we're really excited about it. But I must actually adjust that in person, but it's also going to be streamed live, as you just said. Yeah. And we're going to be streaming it live on our YouTube channel, the To Be Irish YouTube channel. So anybody that subscribes to the YouTube channel can get their notification that the concert is starting on the 21st of December at 8 p.m. Uh, and it's also going to be streamed live on Facebook and then with our media partner, Irish Central. And then to attend it in person, we invite people to go on our website and uh, register for tickets. And um, I mean, first and foremost, we're inviting people who have kind of returned to Ireland or who have made Ireland their new home uh, to attend the concert, because it is really geared at that kind of diaspora kind of community, mm. be it abroad or those returning. Um, where did the idea for, for the concert, for the in-person event come from? Obviously, we're coming out of a pandemic where for a couple of years you couldn't do any of those things. Is this a sort of response to this? It's like, right, okay, now things are looking a little bit better, so we're going to try to get everybody in the one place? Yeah, I, I guess it also stems from, I mean, we're very lucky that we've now, we're in the process of uh, exiting the the pandemic um uh, phase. Um, so, I mean, we've definitely noticed, especially last year, there was an incredible fatigue of digital content. 
Uh, and having being able to present something in person just makes it much more special. Even the delivery of it online is much more interesting uh, for the spectator, uh, the engager, when when it's happening live, essentially. So I think it adds to the um, like from a, if you experience online content, if it's pre-recorded, it feels a little bit stale, or you know it's pre-recorded. When it's live, there's a kind of I suppose more of an excitement to it uh, in terms of the online experience, and then also bringing everybody into the room. I think in Epic, the Irish uh, Emigration Museum is going to be really exciting. I remember watching a few of the concerts that were put on by the Temple Bar Music Festival during the pandemic. And you have all these brilliant musicians and you know that if the room was full of people, that the energy would be different and the appreciation would be different. And you kind of felt sorry for the musicians at the end of every tune or every song. Oh, they were sort of robbed of that, you know. Um, Yep. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that, that's fine. I was just going to ask you, um, when you're putting together something like that, that is for a global audience, it's it's a really tricky one because you have people coming, you know, from all ages, from all backgrounds, like the listeners to this podcast. Some have been abroad for 60 years. Some moved abroad six months ago. How difficult is it to put together a program and how do you go about doing that? It's extremely difficult. I think what we always, what you have to bear in mind is that obviously, this is one edition, a one year of programming. And like programming comes in layers. We won't be able to accommodate everything in one bit, <laughs> essentially, but we tried to keep it kind of broad enough. Uh, obviously, we have Paul Noonan from Bell X1, um, who is headlining the concert, but we also have Aoife Scott, um, who's an amazing singer-songwriter, who's already been touring quite a lot uh, in, in North America and who has that connection with that diaspora audience. Paul Noonan would be of a different generation. So he would be, you know, and he has those kind of ideas of nostalgia as well, because what comes with moving country and moving abroad, you you make a new place your, uh, your home, but you're always connected obviously to your origins, but you're connected to your origins at a certain time. Mm. So time has stood still to a certain extent in terms of what your uh, perspective is of home, et cetera, and what you connect with. And obviously your home moves on in time and develops, et cetera. Uh, so it's always, I think for people who move away, it's a difficulty, you know, you come back home, you connect with something that's from your past and things have moved on to a certain way, to a certain extent. So we're trying to kind of build, uh, kind of reflect both elements of it, you know? So you're sitting there and you have Aoife Scott and you have Paul and you have a, a tremendous variety of hugely talented people who are appearing on it. How much do you sort of, you know, poke your finger into what they're doing and say, hey, Paul, you have this great song that I think you should do here. Or, hey, Aoife, could you write a song maybe that reflects the interest of this audience? Or do you just sort of back off and go, look, you have 15 minutes or you have 20 minutes or you have half an hour, do whatever the hell you like? Well, I mean, we obviously explain to the musicians and the artists what the purpose of this concert is and who their audiences will be in terms of them. I mean, we don't I don't like to dictate too much um, in terms of Aaron Fornoff, the uh, Irish American spoken word artist who is going to be performing a piece. She's going to be performing a poem called Home that she wrote uh, when um, when she got Irish citizenship. But she's also going to be uh, performing a special piece for this concert specifically. So we've given her a bit of a brief there in terms of what to respond to. 
Uh, and similarly with Paul Noonan and Aoife Scott, um, in particular, in terms of their selection of, of, of songs, they will keep in mind the kind of nostalgic element, the Christmas element, the time of the year. That's a time of year, really, of coming together with family or with friends. Um, so, yeah, that's what they'll be responding to. Um, how important is it that the people who are sort of performing at this concert, that they have some relationship to the Irish abroad, be that by, you know, having lived in London or New York or having toured, as you mentioned, with Aoife in North America? Was that important to you or was it more important what they had to say about the experience of the Irish abroad or the experience of being part of this sort of bigger community? I think both. I mean, there's no expectation that everybody that is performing at the concert has to have had this experience. Uh, but I guess they represent their home to a certain extent. Um, like what's really interesting is that Zainab El Ghazuli, who is going to be presenting or hosting uh, the event, who's also a singer songwriter herself, uh, she won't be performing per se, but she will be uh, obviously introducing all the various acts. Uh, she herself uh, lived abroad for four years. So she has that context of having been abroad, which I think is really important in terms of, speaking to that audience um it does give you a different perspective when when you leave home uh, and you make your home elsewhere and you you have this kind of i suppose i i don't want to keep using the word nostalgia but this kind of emotion towards home you miss something essentially uh, it's interesting well you know nostalgia you're almost sort of treated like a swear word a little bit there but it, you know especially after the pandemic when we talked so much about these things when there was no sport and you know no movies could be made or tv series and it became a little bit like that but it's actually not a bad thing and especially at this time of the year to look back over these things because it is a time for looking back could i ask you about your own experience uh, you, are you originally from ireland i'm guessing by the, the name that you're not <laughs> no my uh, i'm dutch uh, of dutch nationality uh, but i've kind of lived a little bit everywhere in Europe or I grew up in uh, various countries. And then I lived in Ireland now over 20 years. So I've more or less made Ireland my my home, um, my home essentially. So I know that I, I feel I'm very um, close to that emotion, that diaspora emotion that you develop when you're, when you're away, uh, but also trying to make your new new space home. Uh, so it, it always pulls you in different directions, you yeah. know. We as Irish people and as an Irish diaspora, we love to think that we're special, that, you know, there's nobody quite like us when it comes to engaging with our diaspora or celebrating our diaspora. From your sort of Dutch perspective, do Dutch people do the same thing? Do you have the same pride in your nation when you live abroad? Uh, do you feel that same attachment to it or is it less important, would you say? I think it's different. I think that there's definitely, I mean... I don't know how to describe that with the Irish, but that diaspora, that sense of diaspora and Irish diaspora, I think it is much stronger. And it's also a much more recent diaspora. You would have had obviously Dutch people who settled in North America uh, and things like that. But with Ireland, there's been so many various phases of it. Mm. Uh, so I think, um, I, I feel it's stronger coming from Ireland than uh, other nationalities. Uh, well, the Netherlands, I find, I wouldn't say so, but then I'm not a an expert either in that, because I feel like I'm more Irish in that sense yeah, yeah. than Dutch. But I mean, I think Italians would probably have a little bit of similarity with Ireland, you know, because they've kind of set up their different networks and mm. the community bases. So, um, 
but it's really, really strong with Ireland. Um, and it's interesting how, you know, you have your Irish pub, you have your Irish cultural center and so many spaces um, abroad, your little Irish shops. Um, but you would have that as well for the Brazilian community, uh, wherever you have like a strong kind of settlement of, of, of communities, they tend to kind of build up their, their little infrastructure, <laughs> you know, to make sure they can get their supplies. Uh, <laughs> Um, is, I mean, it is kind of vital, and especially with with Gaelic games, for instance, with GAA clubs all over the place, mm-hmm. and that. And it's it's like an instant social network. If you go to Boston, or if you come to Oslo in Norway, or if you go, you know, wherever you go, you, you'll find these things. You know, and we mentioned the pandemic there. And as somebody who's lived in Ireland for twenty years or more than twenty years, and who works in the cultural sector. I wanted to ask you, those sort of two or three years during the pandemic were obviously very difficult for people in the performing arts and in the arts in general. Um, what do you see as the results of that now? Has has it resulted in sort of, you know, the dam bursting and a huge amount of creative people now finally getting back to what they do best? Or have people been sort of, you know, edged out of cultural and creative work? What are, what's the temperature like for culture in Ireland at the moment? Well, I feel that there's been a lot of a lot of change um, from a kind of a funding perspective. I think a lot of um, I feel that both the Arts Council and the Department of Culture kind of reacted really positively in terms of trying to keep that sector sustained. Uh, and if you compare that to other countries, I thought they they acted really quickly to try and keep um those that work in that industry, uh, you know, that they could survive uh, during that time. I mean, ourselves, we run a creative agency, so we pivoted very much into that digital space. We 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 worked with as many artists as we could, but then we would present them obviously in a in a in a digital realm. Uh, so we kept quite busy, um, but I felt like there's definitely there was a revision to how things had been done previously and now we're still in that revision phase i feel where we're settling in in that post-pandemic world trying to um you know some organizations were hit harder in terms of their audiences would have been much more cautious coming back mm-hmm. um there's definitely a review in terms of how people program content uh i i feel that audiences are much more um selective in terms of what they go to now you know people have kind of spent so much time on their own and now they're kind of you know will I make that effort and go (laughs) to something uh was before they didn't have that option even but now they do have lots of options again but do they want to continue at the pace as they did prior to COVID so there is kind of a bit of settling being done I feel Do you find, Amy, that the work that's being created now, is it still reflective of the pandemic time or are people starting to look forward in the music that they're making and the art that they're making and the the spoken word pieces that they're writing? I think, I mean, there may be some, um, I mean, I can't obviously obviously speak for all, but I felt, I feel people are kind of rejoicing in, in being liberated from that kind of pandemic space and having to respond to the pandemic space and the experiences that people had, you know, the, the solitude, the isolation, um, the lack of engagement, all of these bits and pieces. Um, I feel now people, you know, are able to express them much, express themselves again freely and be able to present more, I suppose, joyful work potentially, or uh, pivot in different directions. But I mean, times are still hard. There's a war going on in the Ukraine. There's so many of these 
um, uh, impacts due to that. Um, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've come out of COVID, but we've entered into another kind of phase where people feel quite, um, I suppose, affected by, by all of this, I suppose, very hard information that's hard to digest, you know, that keeps, makes people anxious to a certain extent. So the arts can be a bit of an escape for that as well, you know. It's a fascinating subject. Um, if we get to the, the nuts and bolts of what you have to do, both around the concert and indeed the entire programme of events, which runs from December 14th to the 25th, and there's a whole bunch of stuff on there that can be enjoyed online as well as in person. Um, what are the sort of the, the most stressful things for you? Is it, you know, do you have to sign contracts with people and timetables and running orders and riders and dressing rooms, and that kind of thing? Or is all that really easy and you're just, you know, trying to deal with the concept of it and what you want to put across? Well, I suppose a lot of the work has already been completed at this point in time. So the stressful times have, I mean, we've kind of come out of the stressful times now because uh, agreements have already been locked down, <laughs> running orders have been set. Um, now it's about kind of the delivery of the, the concert itself. I suppose the biggest um, always worry and stress is the live streaming element of the concert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There was always going to be <laughs> a little bit of a sense of, oh, God, is the Wi-Fi going to hold? Is there going to be an interruption? What What's going to happen? But, you know, that's part and parcel, part and parcel of the live stream experience from the production uh, side of things. Um, but now it's really just making sure people are aware of To Be Irish and the initiative itself um, you know, promoting the initiative, making sure that people book their tickets in and that they attend events and that they engage with things. That's really important to us at this point in time. Um, how much of what you do is is sort of taken up working with To Be Irish now? Because as you say, you're an independent production company. Do you work very closely with To Be Irish? Would they be sort of your main client or do you work with, with other uh, actors in the space? So we created To Be Irish on behalf of the department. So in this case, the Department of Foreign Affairs is our client. It's one of our projects. We, we also run the International Literature Festival Dublin, which happens in May. Um, and we work closely with the Dublin Literary Award as well on the delivery of, of that um, event. Um, and then we do other cultural kind of events around the year. So there, there's always something happening. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, but To Be Irish is becoming a big project and has been for the last two years. And we really enjoy working on it. Uh, the whole team kind of... Um, we like to work on projects that we kind of find meaningful in, in some shape or form and that we connect with. Mm. Uh, so that's really important to us. What, what has the response been from the Irish community abroad? I'm guessing if you're coming up on three years of doing this project now, that there has to have been some sense of positivity coming out of the response that you receive. Yeah, it's it's really sweet in terms of how people connect with it how they interpret it as well. Um, so we have on the website, we have a, a, a stories uh, page, which is a tapestry of, of content that we receive from, from people all over the world, sharing their Christmas experience or their journey abroad experience, uh, things that you know have mattered in their life. So it's really nice to even just browse through that and um, read up on the various things. And it can be, they're kind of, the way they're submitted, they could be in text form or in audio form or video form or visual form. So people have a bit of a choice 
in terms of how um how to submit content but it's 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 lovely uh way of you know giving people an opportunity to express themselves essentially you know, yeah. when you're involved in the arts, uh, especially to the extent, like I say, booking people and running orders and all that kind of thing. So what do you enjoy yourself? What moves you in terms of art or culture? Is there anything that sticks out to you over the last few years of doing this? That, yeah, that video, like Patrick playing his cello, uh, he's going to be appearing and him playing the stuff on his cello during the pandemic was just mind blowing for so many people around the world. Is that the kind of thing that, that gets your motor running or is it spoken word? What kind of thing do you appreciate? Oh God, I'm. I guess I'm uh, overall passionate about the arts. I mean, I love music, uh, literature as well, and spoken word. Um, we also work very closely with Luke Casserly, who's an environmental artist. So he's doing doing this project called Distillation for us. Um, and this is the I think the third year that we're working with him. Um, and this year he's working with a perfumist perfumist from Cork. Uh, and he's going to be, uh, they're putting together a little, I suppose, sample of um, uh, the scent of the bog, essentially. And people can order this online. It's free and it'll be delivered to them anywhere in the world with a little audio piece from Luke as well, responding to this. Um, and it's really interesting because scent as well, when it comes to memory and um, brings up so many things, I mean, food as well. Um, I mean, what I enjoy most is the the discover, discovery part of, of the whole process, like finding people that uh, that we think we need to shine a light on. Uh, and the other element of, of programming that we also contributed is called the Unwrapped series, uh, which is um, there are five short uh, reels uh, spotlighting different uh, people within Ireland and abroad. Uh, just to give kind of um, an insight into that uh, contemporary Ireland, essentially. And I was just listening to one of the videos that were that was put together featuring Ahmed Didi, who or Dede, who's a, um, a chef down in, in West Cork, who set up his own restaurant there, which is a Michelin star restaurant. Uh, and it's so amazing listening to this guy talk about um, his first impressions of Ireland making Ireland his home. He has um, Turkish, Irish uh, citizenship, both dual nationality, essentially. Um, and just listening to him talk about food, his aspirations, um, what made him know that Cork was the right place for him. Um, it's just so, it's really interesting how people um, respond to space, to location, to an environment. And Ireland like from uh, it's so beautiful as an island you know when you go outside of Dublin uh, there's so many places that are just so stunning so um, it's great to celebrate that it's fascinating to hear those personal stories when I started this podcast uh, the video that I did to promote it I said that there's no such thing as an ordinary Irish person abroad and there's also no such thing as an ordinary person from abroad who is in Ireland and to have those stories packaged in that way is is extremely compelling. Um so if everybody like for those abroad now because that's who this is aimed at they can take part in the concert they can enjoy the concert by going to the To Be Irish YouTube page they subscribe there they click on the bell there and then the moment the concert starts and the live stream is working perfectly because we strongly believe it will <laughs> that'll pop up they'll get their notification and they can tune in there 
said. I just have one last question for Amy, and thank you so much for taking the time to explain all this to me. What's next for To Be Irish? Because you, you sort of created it and have you know been the midwife bringing it all the way through to this point. Is this something that uh, it's it's hoped that this will exist forever? Is it something that has you know? Can you see the sort of far edge of its potential, or how is it being looked at by the Department of Foreign Affairs and indeed by yourself? Well, I guess um, it's interesting because the project itself originated, uh, it's it's a COVID project, essentially. So it came about in 2020, and it was all about trying to reconnect with the Irish diaspora, especially those that weren't able to return home. Obviously, that context has changed now because we are, again, in movement and we can travel freely. Well, not from everywhere, but mostly. Um so it's interesting to see the reaction to this uh, initiative this year. And from a media perspective, I feel that because every project takes time to build and develop, and I feel that it's about building recognition and awareness for it as well. And this year, I feel is the first year we're getting more awareness for it. Um, so I feel the future is bright and it, it's it's a lovely platform for the Department of Foreign Affairs to kind of use to continue engage to engage with their Irish diaspora and I think it could carry over as well to marking other like key cultural dates in the Irish calendar like uh, St Bridget's Day, St Patrick's, Patrick's Day to kind of shine or spotlight promote the activities that are happening nationally but also abroad because St Patrick's in particular obviously is being celebrated worldwide. St Bridget on the other hand there's still so much scope for involvement there. And it's there's so many beautiful kind of, so much amazing inspiration to, in terms of programming for, for Bridget's Day in uh, both, you know, from a pagan perspective and a religious perspective, there's something there uh, from, all, uh, from all angles. So um, I think To Be Irish could play a role in that. Fantastic. And the home for it all is on the website, which is, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, to be Irish.ie is where they'll find everything. And you'll find all the information around this concert. And hopefully we'll get to speak to one of the musicians. But for now, Amy, thank you so much for talking to me. No problem. Thanks so much, Philip. Thank you. <laughs> Back during the pandemic, Patrick Dexter became famous for playing his cello outside his house in County Mayo, and he is going to be one of the artists who is appearing on the Back Home concert. Uh, so I decided I was going to get in touch with him to see uh, his thoughts, how he's going to pick the tunes that he's going to play, and uh, what effect fame has had on him. So this is him playing Pachabell's Canon and D, and when that's done, we'll have a little chat with Patrick Dexter. Patrick, let's start uh, with uh, sort of an obvious thing with you. You became very, very famous for playing your cello outside your house during the pandemic, and you brought an awful lot of, of joy to people through your music. What led you to sit down and make that first clip on the first day? 
Yeah. Oh, it's great to chat to you, Philip. Um, it's funny you say that. Very, very famous. It's kind of something that uh, that I learned quickly. It means nothing, really, especially where I am in the west of Ireland. But in our, Ireland in general, you know, everyone's kind of a bit famous. Is the <laughs> Everyone uh, sort of carries on like, because, you know, say if you look at the local paper, I remember I was excited the first time I had a big article in, in the local paper at the very beginning of the pandemic um, about my, my success playing music online. And uh, I remember uh, going to the shop and, and when I was picking up the paper, I was like, I opened it on the page. I was like, huh, do you recognize that guy? And and the shopkeeper in, in the local shop looked to me and he was like, oh, yeah, sure, it's you. Yeah, yeah. And then he flipped over to the next page and goes, there's my son. And he flipped to the next page and goes, that's my nephew. Because the, <laughs> the whole paper is made up of, um, yeah, you know, so everybody, uh, there's a little bit, of, I mean, we're on an island. People forget that all the time, but there's a little bit of everybody knows everyone. And um, being famous is, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a feeling of everyone's famous. But yeah, no, um, it, uh, it sort of blew up for me in a very sudden and in many ways a strange way um, because I had been playing music only very locally. I was a, a music teacher for kids uh, here where I live in, in County Mayo. And uh, I'd, I'd done a bunch of things, uh, a bit like yourself, Philip. I'd been, I'd lived abroad and I'd traveled and worked and I'd only just come back to Ireland and music was something that always kind of followed me around, but it wasn't, it, it was never something that was my, my main, um, it was certainly never my work. It was always something that I, just love to do so um yeah the pandemic hit and uh all the schools were suddenly closed it was kind of the, one of the first big shocks i think in ireland in particular maybe a, a lot of the world but we were very much in denial until the very last minute and i remember the week before in school and them saying uh, the whispers of this thing is quite serious and they think they're going to close the schools and in the staff room remember we all i remember laughing thinking they wouldn't actually close the schools but sure enough, next week, uh, it was it, it, we realized how serious it was when schools were closed kind of indefinitely there in 2020. So I was uh, sent home uh, or we were staying at home, spending a lot of time at home and um, I wasn't working teaching. And I filled my days as I always did for for fun, uh, playing music. And the weather was beautiful in Ireland. If if uh, if anyone can remember anyone that was here at that that uh first um part of the lockdown in 2020 in the spring especially here in the west of ireland we had very unusually unusual exceptional gorgeous weather so i was outside every day playing my instrument i played the cello and um there wasn't much more to it than that i just was filling my days doing what i loved and uh it wasn't until we were all trying to stay in contact with friends my my friends live um i was sort of part of the generation when I left college we all went abroad and uh some of us came back like me and my my partner but uh most stayed uh, where they were around the world and uh we all were feeling our connection between us quite strongly in that first pandemic because wherever you were in the world you were stuck at home so we were all uh sending messages to each other and especially little videos about our lives and feeling connected in that way which seems quite normal now maybe post pandemic but at the time in 2020 it felt kind of novel and felt felt a bit strange and kind of exciting so i was sending videos of what we were up to in our life what kind of 
food we were cooking, what our dog was doing and getting them from friends around the world. But one thing I shared as well was these videos of me playing cello. Um, very basically, the phone set up and just what I was up to. And, you know, I have the fortunate um, situation of living in an extremely beautiful part. I mean, there's so many beautiful parts of this island, but here in the west coast of County Mayo is is really very beautiful. And um, though I sometimes take for granted the the scenery behind me when I'm playing outside, to anyone around the world who was getting this this video from me, they were shocked. They were, they were saying that is just so beautiful that world that you're in right there in in the west coast of Ireland, and uh, and they they love the music too. And so friends encouraged me. They're like, you know, you should share this online. I wasn't someone who was really part of social media, something I'd sort of distanced myself from, or just wasn't something that I was particularly interested in, particularly the world of Twitter, uh, which always felt like quite an antagonistic uh, part of the (laughs) internet. Uh, You know, uh, it's probably true to still think that, but um, I had uh, studied politics and that was my background um, before kind of turning away from that. And Twitter was always associated with this, um, yeah, quite dark uh, back and forth of 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 anger, resentment, just um, not things that I would associate with me playing my cello outside my cottage in uh, County Mayo. But sure enough, I, I was encouraged to do it by friends. I uploaded a video of me playing and straight away the thing went crazy viral and Thinking it was a fluke, of course, as you do with these things on the internet, I thought, well, I'll I'll, I'll share my that that whatever I'm playing the next day, and I'm sure there'll be no interest. Uh, but I was completely wrong. The next one took off in an even bananas, like a more bananas way. It was, it was really crazy, and soon it was getting into the millions, and then the tens of millions, and uh, this felt. Uh, so so strange for this very intimate and personal thing that I did with my family, just playing cello outside my home, was suddenly um, just making such an impact on the hearts of people all around the world, tens of millions of people. Uh, it was it was quite a quite a change, yeah. Why do you think that resonated so much with people, Patrick? Because it's such a simple thing. It's such a beautiful setting. Uh, a cello on its own, you don't think that, you know, okay, it, like it doesn't feel like a solo instrument. It's usually something played as maybe part of an orchestra or a string quartet. And yet somehow those elements put together, you sitting there and all your serenity in that beautiful background, it just touched people. Yeah, you're so right. The cello is, it's kind of the, it's always the background instrument, isn't it? You know, it's never something that's put out the front uh, doing the melody. Traditionally, it's like I always thought of myself playing cello in bands and playing with orchestras and things. You're you're there down the back, making mm-hmm. everyone else sound good, but the the attention's not really on you. And you I suppose that was the classical that never, music you know, equivalent of the bass player, basically. Pretty much, you are. Yeah, you're you're the bass player, you know. And I used to play bass in bands as well, and that 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 was kind of your your role, you know. That the singer would look great, and you would make you would know yourself. They sound good because of what you're adding to it, but you wouldn't be in the limelight, no. Uh, you'd be somewhere down the back. Um, so the cello doesn't yet yeah, have that position. But for me, it has no parallel when it comes to the depth of emotion that can be expressed by it. I, I really believe that the the sound that the cello can produce resonates in some way um, with so deep in your body when you listen to it. Um, there's reasons you can look at. I mean, 
I think of it as something deeper than this, but it, you know, engineers, sound engineers can look at the sound and they say, well, there's a reason why this particular instrument resonates. It's very similar to the sound that we have evolved to grow uh, warm to, which is the sound of the human voice. So when you hear, I mean, no music is as good as the sound of a loved one's voice in your ear. It just, it it's the most wonderful sound where we've evolved to um, be so receptive to that sound. So the cello, uh, by the way of its um, design, emits a frequency that is similar, a sound that is similar to the sound of the human voice. But of course, you can do so much with it. You can take that melody and you can do uh, all sorts of things with it to 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 draw and develop and, and enhance that idea of the, the emotion in the music. So even though the cello wasn't really uh, the typical instrument for playing melodies, that's what I felt drawn to do. And that's what I, I love to share. It was taking melodies, especially simple ones. I love traditional Irish melodies or or well-known tunes, classical music, and, and taking them out of the context of where you normally hear them. So in in a in a pub session for an Irish tune or in an orchestra concert where you're sitting in a formal setting or say music that you hear in a church, taking the melodies out of those settings and putting them into my home setting, which is this cello and where I love to play, which is this uh, backdrop of the, the beautiful west of ireland landscape and for me those things are really intertwined and important so the beauty of melodies expressed through this instrument and also the, the beautiful raw wildness of the west of ireland but it always seemed a very personal thing to me that of course these things are together but i realized when this huge response was coming from me sharing uh, these videos of me playing that this was perhaps something more universal, that there is something very impactful about Ireland's landscape, especially on the West Coast, where you have that vastness of the Atlantic Ocean around you and, and the, the quite harsh aspects of the weather as well, um, mixed with something that is deeply soulful, like uh, the sound of the cello and these these melodies that can really stir our hearts. So it's um, there's... I've never gotten fully to the bottom of of, of why exactly this combination uh, was so impactful, but uh, it certainly has something to do with the sound of the cello and uh, that that rawness of the West of Ireland's landscape. How has that success, that fame in inverted commas from being in the local paper, how has that changed you or your life? Do you get emails from people like me all over the world wanting to talk to you, wanting to book you for gigs, wanting to put you in ads for cars or that kind of thing? Or is it, like you say, is it something that's just, you know, everybody in Ireland is famous in some way? Well, in Ireland, it's, uh, yeah, as I say, it's not, it, it's when you get approached in the street or or uh, people know of you, it, it feels, uh, especially in rural Ireland, uh, very normal um, as everyone knows each other. But um, no, as going abroad, then it's a bit different because, uh, it's um, you as an Irish person abroad, you you expect to be nobody. I mean, it's, it's part of the reason a lot of people, a lot of people spend time abroad. You know, you have that the draw of places like uh, London or New York, in particular, these big cities, is because oh, finally, I can be I can be known. But um, yeah, no, very strange for uh, being abroad, which was something that couldn't do, uh, of course in the early days with the pandemic, but as things opened up and I started to travel, uh, it was quite a quite an experience to be known in uh, places around the world. 
um yeah it's 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 changed my life in uh, in a number of ways uh it's it's wonderful to be able to for the first time in my life play music uh professionally and uh to be able to support my family uh only by music um but it's also uh allowed me to connect and meet uh people like yourself all around the world who are you know some are in the music world people i've collaborated with and, and rec- recorded music with but some like yourself are people and i've had this a lot who who just want to chat and want to uh find out about what i've been doing and um that is an area that i didn't expect because i thought <clears throat> having left uh, uh politics and the things that i was doing um before being a musician aside i thought right i can just uh close my eyes not talk <laughs> and just play music now doing this but that wasn't the case there uh, people were very interested to know how, what i had to say i mean you can tell me more about this philip about wanting to chat to me but people like the the ted talks people who i did a a, a seminar for and i'm going to be part of one of their big events next year they uh i i, I didn't expect uh, a musician to be invited to be speaking in the context but it seemed to be something that that came alongside it that um if people felt this wasn't just about the music that i was playing there was something that they wanted to to know more about this and something they felt that i i had to say and that's such a privilege to get to do i think in part it's because they want to know your story but i think also there's a big thing about that is they want to know why you can affect them so viscerally so I was watching you yesterday on one of your social media clips playing Patchabell's Canon in D, which is just a fabulous piece of music. I think, did you play that because there was a little bit of snow on the mountains in the background and you took your cello outside the house? And it just had this, like, you know, on that level that music connects with you. And it's not like, I absolutely want to know what you're thinking and what you're feeling when you're playing it. But I also want to know why and how you can make me feel that way too. And only so much can be said through the cello. At some point, I have to go, hang on a second and ask you directly. And I think that's why people want to to hear from you personally, despite your your seeming reluctance after your time in politics to, to talk about yourself. But I think there's a sort of a, there is a desire to hear from you as a person and to hear what drives you and what motivates you but if we could look towards the concert that's happening now on the 21st of December this is something called to be Irish it's for the Irish community that's sort of either the Irish community that's staying abroad or that's coming home for Christmas and what's your sort of thought process in terms of the music and the feelings that you want to get across to them when you play live for them in a few days time so yeah it's going to be a wonderful uh, concert there's a great mix of uh, musicians playing in it there's Aoife Scott there's Paul Noonan uh, Bellex one uh, and I'll be playing with an incredible harp player um, Claire O'Donnell uh, who's uh, both an Irish traditional harp player and a, a classical harpist uh, with the, the various orchestras in in Ireland um, and uh, yeah she's actually myself and Claire went to school together which is uh, is wonderful that, that we're, we're still able to play music together we went to school together in Dublin but um, so thinking about this idea of to be Irish and being Irish abroad, you know, uh, I mentioned to you a bit before, like after finishing school and, and college, uh, I went abroad, uh, like most of my friends working and uh, spent a good few years um, traveling and working and thinking about what it sort of reassessing what it meant to be Irish, you know, if if. Uh, 
you know, opening up that question, which was something I didn't really think about uh, growing up here in Ireland so much. But it wasn't until being abroad that the question became quite present. And uh, then uh, you'd meet other Irish people abroad. And, uh, you know, I've heard you chat about this with some of your other guests. Like a whole dynamic sets in that uh, is hard to describe, but it, it, it does reflect a little mirror on you know what what is this about what you know i was born on this small island uh you know at the edge of this this vast ocean the atlantic it's uh it's got all specific cultural baggage and everything <laughs> attached to it and what you know what does it really mean and i think i realized being abroad that it does does mean something um and for me that meaning has always been associated with music so when i was picking tunes for this concert um to be Irish at Christmas, I was thinking about, well, I wanted tunes that had this sense of of meaning, of identity, both with this time of year, but also uh, about that idea of what it means to be Irish. And um, for me, this year in particular, there's, there's a few aspects that come into my mind when I think about what it means to be Irish. You know, there's, a, there's an increased awareness that uh, Irishness is something that is far beyond the the temporary socio-political situation we have today. It's something kind of quite deep. I love the way your podcast called The Global Gale because it kind of touches into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the that uh, what it means to be Gale, you know, it's 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 more than being just I'm from the Republic of Ireland. Um, you know, it, it's it's to do with our connection to other places as well, uh, in particular places like Scotland. The, the One of the tunes that I've chosen, the most sort of seasonal one, is Old Lang Syne, mm. which is, of course, this uh, Robert Bo- Burns poem, the great poet of Scotland. And I think here and all around the world, really, uh, the, it's a song that's sung this time of year and really makes people feel together. And it, it touches into this um, old history of what it means to be Irish but also uh, that idea of being together, which is a huge thing this time of year after having our, our in the pandemic, the fragmented Christmases behind us. This is one where everyone's getting together. It's going to be a, it's going to be a wonderful season. Mm-hmm. And this song, O Lang Syne, I, I chose because it felt like this was a, a an anthem of being together, friends being together and um, the lyrics, of course, but the, but the melody itself makes you think of, New Year's makes you think of that old connection between Ireland and the other uh, Gaelic countries. And um, yeah, but uh, there's three tunes we were asked to choose for the uh, for the session. So I chose three quite different ones. Um, o Lang Syne uh, and then also uh, uh, original tune that uh, is called Fela which is a piece, it's the opening track of my album, my debut album that was released this year uh, called Solace. And Solace was written and recorded during the pandemic um, out in nature here in the west of Ireland in the same situation as uh, the videos that uh, you've seen. And um, it's got all the sounds of of nature and the the wildness of the west of Ireland uh, picked up by the microphones as, as I was playing. So it's quite a quite a unique kind of sounding record but the the tunes um and Fela in particular which was the opening track uh, it's uh it was about that moment it's named after my 
my niece, Fela, who was born in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, it was that winter of 2020, 2021, when everything was kind of feeling quite uncertain. It was we thought maybe we were coming out of things, but actually we were going into our darkest time uh, mm. in the pandemic. And um, I remember uh, we got the news that Fela was born. We couldn't be with my sister, who was in another part of Ireland. Um, and it was just this such an explosion of joy and feeling of togetherness, even though we were spread all over the country, my family, it mm. was this uh, uniting, wonderful moment to know that Fela was born safely. And uh, I remember uh, like running outside. It was a big wintry star filled sky and it was so cold and it felt so in some ways so detached from from friends and family. But this this news of the birth of the my niece was a really huge uniting uh, force and, and, and felt like both there was so much difficulty and bleakness uh, in the world and in human life. But then there's also extreme moments of joy so this piece fail is very special to me and that, that's another one that i will be playing um, at the concert and the, the third piece uh is quite different so uh it is a traditional ukrainian piece of music um which most people will know for the the words that were put to it about a century ago just over a century ago um the words carol of the bells were put to it and it's this wonderful um, Christmas tune, but it has this uh, this this history of being written by one of the great nationalist uh, composers of Ukraine, and an important part this year in particular, but stretching throughout history of being Irish is our connection to other peoples. And where I live, where I live in particular in the west of Ireland, I mean, this is all over the island. A huge change has happened this year, and that we have welcomed so many tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees here to the island. It is uh, a huge and wonderful thing that's happened uh, through such a really terrible terrible and difficult time uh, in the whole continent of Europe and, and especially for the people of Ukraine. But this is uh, something that can't be forgotten that is part of our Irishness and a part of our island right now. And I wanted to um, incorporate that some way in the, in the tunes that... Uh, that we were choosing so um we're doing this this piece um it's a ukrainian traditional piece of music it sounds exquisite on the harp and the cello i, I can't wait to uh to play it i'll tell you something if people weren't tuning in before you described all that they'll certainly be tuning in now to hear that um what do you expect the atmosphere to be like because this is uh when we we're talking to amy she was saying this is the first sort of you know in-person chance that they've had to put a concert like this together who do you expect to show up on the night patrick and what do you expect the atmosphere to be do you expect it to be joyous do you expect it to be sort of you know a little bit of trepidation because of the current situation regarding the pandemic what do you expect to come from the whole thing I think the atmosphere, I can't wait. It's, I mean, it's every uh, in-person concert you go to now. I mean, this is for, for, for the last good few months, the last year, the energy has been just up on another level because uh, after having that break and missing out on, on so much uh, live situations, uh, it's oh, this wonderful, visceral, full body feeling of being in a, a room full of people all excited to listen to music. So that yeah, the audience is people who are coming back to Ireland from abroad. Many of them 
uh, haven't been able to be over for the last few Christmases. Uh, so there's going to be that excitement. Uh, it's, I mean, what a what a wonderful reason to to get together um, to celebrate being back for Christmas and uh, celebrate it with music. Um, I think there's going to be yeah excitement in the room. There's going to be um, people. I mean, I've experienced in the last uh, coming back to playing performances, people also feel a high level of emotion. Um, there's something quite powerful and about music in the context of remembering that it's bringing us together so we're listening to this music but it's it's only part of the the fact that we're together and you know people soon to be seeing family reunited everything like that it's it's both exciting wonderful and also emotional time i think we are going to play out on this episode with your new single Owl Lang Syne. But just before we do that, what have you got in the pipeline for 2023, sir? Is it possible that the global gales will see you somewhere in Australia or in America or indeed in Sweden, where I live, in the coming year? Oh, it would be wonderful to visit you over in Sweden. Um, yeah, I, I there's some really exciting things coming up. Um, you know, I think 2023 is going to be a big year for performing in particular. I have another uh, number of um, live shows lined up. My first ever show in Dublin City is on uh, January 6th. But the, the thing that I'm really excited about um, connecting with Irish people abroad is been I've been invited by the uh, Brazilian embassy, the Irish embassy in Brazil, uh, to do a tour of music over there for St. Patrick's Day. And that is just a, a dream come true to be able to do something like that, to bring my music to somewhere so so far away and meet people from such a different culture uh and and you know connect through music and um, so that's where i'll be for the week of saint patrick's day touring around brazil um in and out of the amazon jungle and all sorts of uh things they're having me do it's it's going to be wonderful so um yeah uh lots of exciting things um i just finished my work on my newest uh recording it's an ep um, it's it's a release of four tra tracks, including Olang Sign. Um, Olang Sign will be released uh, this month, and uh, next month will be the rest of the EP. Uh, really excited to be able to share this music. And, and whereas my album was recorded in spring here in the west of Ireland, with all the sounds of the birds and the beautiful um, spring breeze and everything that accompanied it, this was recorded in the in the dead center of winter, and um, it is very different it's recorded inside my cottage um, and the sounds it's very still when it comes to the nature sounds but there is the constant ebb and flow of the breeze and the the feeling of the the coldness uh, and the darkness and the turning in that is uh something we do at this time of year especially in ireland um being indoors so much especially in the cold we're having at the moment um yeah that's that's my my big news uh ep to come out in the next month Fantastic. We're very much looking forward to hearing it and indeed to seeing you out on the road there, possibly in the jungles of Brazil. But we'll see if we can't bring you to Stockholm and to Sydney and to San Francisco and to all those other places. And if you are in those places and you can't make the one of Patrick's shows, but you can see the show uh, To Be Irish at Christmas time on the 21st of December. It's going to be live on their YouTube channel. We're going to play out with Ao Lang Syne, but Patrick Dexter, a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year, my friend. Thanks so much. Happy Christmas, Philip. So great to chat. 
There you go. That was indeed Patrick Dexter there telling us all about his music there in County Mayo. An amazing guy altogether, an extremely talented musician and just a genuine all-around nice bloke. Uh, I promised him that we would play out with his new single, Old Lang Syne. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. But before I do that, uh, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. We've gotten off to a great start here on the Global Gale podcast, and I'm hoping that I can count on you uh, to help me find a bigger audience and indeed maybe to tell one or two of your own stories as well as we go along. But for now, the very merriest of Christmases, the very happiest of New Years, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we'll speak to you again very soon on the Global Gale podcast. <laughs>